been uh, going through a, a series of lessons on 10, 10 lies that the world embraces. Uh, we first noticed that the uh, lie that truth is relative, that truth for you is truth for you, but truth for me is truth for me, and we may not have the same truth. It's relative to how we were raised and the background we come from and the position that we are in at the time, as though, you know, this eraser is on the right for me, but it's on the left for you. And, and so as truth, uh, I, yeah, I can see truth to the right, but you can see truth to the left. And uh, truth varies on how we view the world. And we saw that, no, that's not true, that the Bible is a book of absolute truths. And, uh, and it's necessary because to know the truth is to make yourself free or, or allow the Lord to make you free. And then um, the last uh, week when we were here, we talked about this idea that life is random, that, that you need to be in the right place at the right time, that people who are blessed, seemingly blessed, or people who were born in the right family, and uh, they, did, they just happened to fall upon something at the right time. But we found that, <clears throat> that the Lord actually maneuvers behind the scenes and bringing us to places where we can either make decisions or not make decisions. Not that, not that he uh, controls, uh, oh, let me put it this way, not that he removes our free will. We have a free will. But <clears throat> life is not just a, a product of happenstance. Today we're going to look at this idea of tolerance being the most noble virtue. When you see the word intolerant, does that give you a positive notion or a negative notion? If somebody said you're intolerant, they're uh, going to tip you. They, they, uh, it's a real compliment, right? Well, <clears throat> intolerance is uh, not popular uh, today. Uh, in fact, uh, tolerance, the opposite of intolerance, it has almost become the virtue that this is the only thing that really matters today. It's the only thing that really carries weight today. To be tolerant of all views is, uh, is very acceptable. If you think that you have the only corner on the truth, or you think that you have the only way that is right, then uh, you're seen as an arrogant fool. And uh, tolerance, as I said, seems to be one of the virtues that is, uh, is highly promoted in our day. And as a result, uh, virtues that were rock solid in the past or not today. Uh, humility used to be a good virtue. And uh, when somebody scores a, a touchdown on an on a NFL football team, uh, they make sure the world knows that they scored the touchdown. When 50 years ago, Vince Lombardi would pull his running back aside that scored a touchdown, and he'd say, hey, act like you've been in the end zone before. And to, to be humble about, you know, you got there because <laughs> these big guys up front made a way for you. Yeah. And so that's kind of went out the window. Self-control. Well, you know, I just do what I do. And, uh, and if it affects you, well, I'm sorry about that. Uh, chastity, that's, that's kind of went out the window, all fallen from public favor. Instead of uh, 
with the promotion, with the promotion of tolerance, <clears throat> what was once forbidden is now actually uh, not forbidden, and it's actually encouraged. Uh, marital infidelity, cheating on your spouse, and divorce, it's become normalized. It's just, it's part of our society. It just happens. You can, uh, many people enter into a marriage uh, with the option to divorce or with the option of marital infidelity and this is going to happen. Profanity. Uh, when I was growing up, I didn't even know the F word. I didn't even know it. And if I went to school and learned it and come home, I'd still be blowing bubbles. My mouth would have got washed out with soap. But it's a common thing today. Profanity is common. Abortion, homosexuality, uh, moral perversions of all kinds are, are, uh, are <laughs> well, not only being accepted, but uh, I mean, this week was uh, you, the news is full. You can't even get on the news or go on Facebook that's not full of uh, rainbow flags and and, uh, and all this information about the great pride parades. And it's uh, promoted. Tolerant, be tolerant. Uh, and so, actually, tolerance has turned uh, our world of morality upon its head. And actually, the new, the new thing that's really bad in our society, what Worse than homosexuality, worse than, worse than uh, foul language. What's, what is really unacceptable today in our society, what is the great sin of our society is for you to be intolerant. That's not going to be accepted. You can't have intolerance. Listen to some of the uh, common slogans that define this age. Jesus would have baked the cake. You know where that comes from, right? Who are you to keep the cake from a wedding ceremony of two males? Jesus would have went and baked the cake. Christians hate LGBTQ people. Years ago, as a uh, uh, Miss America, uh, forget her name, uh, she was from Texas, but uh, she uh, was bold enough to say that homosexuality was sin, and she was accused of hatred, but she says, no, I love them, and they need to know the truth. Another saying is, you're on the wrong side of history. And uh, why can't you let them be their true selves? Why can't you just let them be their true selves? That's just your truth, not mine. And perhaps uh, the most painful for a family member to hear is, if you really love me, you will accept me like I am. If you really love me, you'll accept me for who I am. That's tolerance. And if you're not, if you're not being tolerant, you're intolerant, and uh, you are, uh, you're, you're, you are really one of the worst things for our society. And so realize that uh, intolerance is not only intolerance, this issue is not only one that is in the world, but it's crept into the church. I read a statistics, of course, when they give statistics for Christianity, 
uh, you kind of have to define how they think a person is really a Christian and if they're really born again. But uh, marriage counselors, Christian marriage counselors have found that 57% of those that are coming uh, to have counseling, premarital counseling, have already committed uh, fornication. Many of them living together. So sex before marriage, living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, it's no longer sinful until they can figure out if they want to be in a committed relationship. They're just, uh, they're just uh, hooking up together. Divorce, of course, it's okay. Uh, why are we even talking about it anymore? Drunkenness. What's wrong with having a little fun anyway? Homosexuality. Who are we to keep people apart who love each other? And so with this idea that you're the wicked person because you are intolerant, you are an arrogant person because you think that your way is the only way, then this, uh, this doctrine, that, this teaching that tolerance is the noblest virtue has come about. And uh, as I said, it's crept into the church. <clears throat> I see this saying, I won't write this out, uh, I guess I could, but uh, many, I mean, preachers who are independent Baptist preachers who uh, would support our missionaries, who, who uh, are in agreement in many doctrinal things, would say, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. And so, in, in, in essentials, things that are essential, there ought to be unity among the churches and among brethren. And in non-essentials, liberty. And then in all things, charity. Well, to sum this up, this is, this is a teaching of tolerance. Now, one of the issues here is how do you define this? Is the teaching on baptism essential or just on salvation? Is the teaching on modesty essential or just uh, non-essential and you have liberty? Is the teaching on alcohol is that essential or is that a non-essential? And who's to say what's essential? I'm going to say it. And you're going to say, no, I'm going to say it. And you need to tolerate my beliefs. Well, Here's what Charles Spurgeon said years ago. He said, the idea about non-essentials is wicked and rebellious. Cast it from you. Go without the camp. Be particular in every point to the tiniest jot and tittle. Seek to obey your master's will and seek his grace that you may walk in the way of his commandments with a perfect heart. And so we believe that this Bible was divinely inspired by God himself. 
Do we not? I mean, that should be one of the essentials. <laughs> essentials. And so God has given us this book using men as instruments to write it like, like I've used this marker to write on the board. He used men, but uh, he was the force behind it. And so I believe from Genesis to Revelation that this is God's word. And because I believe that, I believe everything in it is essential. There's no non-essential. Everything's essential. It's in there for a reason. And uh, uh, we may jump, uh, well, just let me introduce this and we may be able to cover it before. But do you remember when David, you know, um, the, the Ark of the Covenant was t- stolen out of Israel and were taken by the Philistines. And they wrote, Ichabod, the glory of the Lord has departed. And eventually, Israel gained back their strength and, and they, they had the Ark of the Covenant uh, in, in their possessions from the Philistines and it rested in uh, the priest's house for years. And David went down there to get it. What a great thing. What a great motive. What a wonderful deed he was doing, bringing the ark back to Jerusalem and back to the tabernacle. And, and he's going to put it in Eventually, it will go into the temple. And on the way, sitting on a cart, the oxen shook, and Uzzah reached out his hand to keep it from hitting the ground, and God killed him. Good idea. Good motive. But it didn't follow God's directive. So even in our church, in, in, in Christianity, good ideas and a good heart and a good motive does not allow us to bypass any essentials. God had a reason. You see, if God would have overlooked him doing that and say, oh, it's okay to not follow the essentials because he's already given strict commandments of how the ark should be moved. It's okay for us to, you know, vary it a little bit, to twist it a little bit. It's okay to believe in both the local church and the universal church, that we're all part of the family of God and the family of God is the church in general. It's okay. I mean, we just need to twist it a little bit. No. What God has said, he has said. And so, we're talking about this idea of tolerance. <clears throat> Most of you are uh, too old or too young. <laughs> or Brother Wilson, maybe not, to remember a guy by the name of Gandhi who uh, was working towards the liberation of India from British rule. And he was um, a nonviolent protester and he believed that although he was a Hindu, his idea that um, the Muslims in the country should be tolerated, Hindus should be tolerated, Christianity should be tolerated, everything should be tolerated. In fact, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Pakistan came into existence because uh, when India 
was getting their freedom from England, the Pakistanis were, the people who formed Pakistan were Muslims, and India was primarily Hindu, and so they split them up. But the point is, this is what, this is what uh, Gandhi had to say. Uh, intolerance is a failure or refusal to accept reality. If you're intolerant, you, 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 you've not accepted reality. No matter how hard you may try to live in your own little world, there always remains those persons who live outside of your world. You may call them outsiders. You may call them infidels by not accepting, for not accepting your view of the world. You may try to persuade them to accept your view of the world and your way of life. Sometimes you may even try to force them to become like you, but they resist even to their death. They do so because reality is made up, now listen to this, reality is made up of many different individuals having many different experiences and different viewpoints. Nothing will change this, not even your intolerance. And so for them, truth is created instead of discovered. He also said this, intolerance is a failure of intelligence. It acts upon conclusions without acknowledging the process which produces the conclusions. Truth is created and not just discovered. The truth taught by various religions of the world are conclusions. They have been arrived at and transmitted through human experience. The intolerant person neglects the process and proclaims that his way or her way is the only truth. But in reality, all truths are products of inductive reasoning. Intolerance is an error of ultimate truth, a judgment of ultimate truth. Intolerance is a deadly sin because it's an error of judgment about ultimate truth. The ultimate truth is beyond the ability of any individual's or institutional religion to comprehend that, that, that uh, Christianity does not have the ability to comprehend what is ultimate truth. That Hinduism doesn't have the ability to comprehend what is ultimate truth. That, that uh, Muslims do not have the ability to comprehend what's ultimate truth. This wise person accepts this. The intolerant person does not. The intolerant person declares his particular way of thinking and acting are superior to all others. And so if you're here this morning and you believe that Christianity is, is more than just a religion, that Christianity is a term that's given to those who believe the Bible, believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, the believes that Jesus Christ, that there's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved, that he is the only one by which we can have, be saved from our sins, then you are intolerant and you're arrogant. <laughs> Fly the flag. Now, I think there needs to be, uh, I think there needs to be a distinction in Christianity made between intolerance difference between intolerance uh, intolerance, we're talking about intolerance. difference between intolerance towards people and towards, what should I say? Um, ideas or conclusions. Jesus said, he says, love your enemies. 
Do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. The love of Jesus Christ in our hearts ought to cause us to be tolerant towards people. That's why, that's why actually we love the, I don't know all the letters, LGBTQ, I, I guess. That's why we love them. But we cannot tolerate error, which is sin. Well, who are you, Chris? Who are you to call this sin? You're nobody to call it sin. But if God calls it sin, it's sin. And for you to call it something else to be tolerant and loving is not loving. Remember, we can know the truth and the truth can make us free. Biblical tolerance is for people, but this age in which we live in, which is called postmodernism, which I'm not going to get into the definition of that this morning, but the age in which we live in, tolerance is demanded to be to tolerate all ideas and to tolerate and to tolerate all behavior. And so keep that in mind, because, because if we're not careful, when we are intolerant, and rightly so, intolerant towards behavior that contradicts the Bible, if we're not careful, we become very intolerant toward the sinner. And, and, and I want you to clearly understand, we're not saying we're going to tolerate the sinner and allowing him to continue that without saying this is wrong. But we can't, we can't, uh, it's not in our prerogative to, to hate the sinner. The Bible is an intolerant book. Titus says this, a man, the heretic, that is he teaches error, after the first and second admonition, reject. He said don't tolerate error. Reject that person. Second John says, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, the, the teaching of Christ and the Bible and John, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. Don't tolerate him. Don't tolerate the Mormon coming into your house and having coffee with you. Don't tolerate the guy who's been visiting your church and he's, and he's sowing this little seed thoughts that are not biblical. Don't tolerate him. If any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed, yet count him not as an enemy, but wanting as a brother. And so he says, here we have the balance. You don't tolerate what he's teaching, yet you don't count him as an enemy, but you admonish him. And if it doesn't quit, then you're going to have to have complete separation. Romans says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine. It's important that we see the word doctrine in this and, and the words by our epistle and because and, and, he's not talking about their, their little intricacies, inter, 
uh, I can't pronounce it today, uh, they bother you, they're little habits that bother you, uh, but that's which is according to doctrine. But though we, Galatians says, but though we are an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so say we now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, then let him receive, let him, than ye have received, let him be accursed. And so, and so when we have the promise keepers come along and they invite all, all areas and all uh, Heinz flavor to come to their meetings and, and here, are, here are the Nazarenes who believe you're saved by Christ's blood, but they also believe that you can lose your salvation, which means that you're going to have to maintain your salvation. Here are the Church of Christ who believe that you have to be uh, baptized and believe, have faith, but you also need to be baptized to be saved. And here, and here comes the Baptist, and uh, what flavor of Baptist, I guess, we're talking about our kind of Baptist. No, the salvation is by grace through faith alone, and that not of works. Baptism has nothing to do with your salvation. Listen, <laughs> we cannot tolerate that under the flag of Christianity. Earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And here's what the deal is. <clears throat> these people, these people who promote tolerance, that we ought to be tolerant towards all beliefs. They're very tolerant. It's not hard for it's not hard for um, um, Episcopal to be tolerant toward the Hindus. It's not it's not it's not hard for Episcopal to be tolerant to the Catholics. It's not hard for Episcopal to be tolerant to the uh, to the Charismatics and tongue speakers. It's not tolerant for the Episcopal even. It's not hard for the Episcopal even to be tolerant. Uh, to Muslims. But along comes this arrogant Baptist preacher and he says, this is wrong. Salvation is only in Jesus Christ. The Muslim religion is a religion that's diabolical. Something happened. Their tolerance flew out the window and they will not tolerate you. They will not. So, we have uh, intolerance towards those who try to say that their beliefs are the only truth. Listen, <laughs> here's the deal. If you don't believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, if you don't believe that salvation is by grace through faith, if you believe that you can get to heaven, if you can believe that, you know, the Nazarenes have it just a little bit wrong, but, you know, we ought to tolerate them. When Paul said, if somebody preaches any other gospel than that which I've preached to you, let them be accursed. Grace plus works is a curse. And so if you believe that way, if you believe that you should be tolerant in your thinking, quit trying to present yourself as a Christian. You're not. You're not. You're, you're Salvation and your way of life either has to be based upon this or it's based upon relativism. It's how I see it. Well, well, that's, well I see that's what the Bible says, but, you know, I don't see it that way. How many times have you heard that? 
And that, you know, uh, I've heard this said to me. Well, the Bible's hard to understand. How can you understand it? It's hard to understand. No, the Bible was written to be understood. And one of the reasons people don't understand it is uh, one of the necessities to really understand it is you're going to have to submit to what you clearly understand with or without the Bible that you're a sinner and you need to be saved. And when you come to that and faith comes by hearing and hearing then by the word of God until you are saved, you're not going to really grasp what the Bible has. And so uh, the Bible is full of, uh, what time is it? What? Ten minutes? Okay. The Bible is full of examples of people that were intolerant. Uh, remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were intolerant. They weren't going to worship the king's idol. Everybody else is. Hey, everybody else is doing it. That Baptist church down the street's doing it. Why can't you do it? Look over there in Acts chapter 4. Here's the deal, folks. When Seth goes to work, he likes to be liked. We all like to be liked. You want to have some friends at work. You don't want to be the lone ranger all the time with a lone stranger. We like to be liked. And that begins to creep in and undermine. If you're going to be liked, then you're going to have to put up with some stuff. Again, let's make a distinction between people and ideas. And, and, and you, think, you may think that you don't have a problem with that, uh, but you, you do have a problem with that. And when somebody's preaching error, I mean teaching error, I want to just stay as far as I can away from them. And the Bible does say that. But there's still a person that needs the Lord. And so sometimes it's a fine line to walk there. Uh, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 18, in Acts 4 and, let's see, verse 18, and they called them, the apostles, and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Listen, we're going to have to come to the clear understanding that in the finality of it all, I'm not going to be judged by those who thought me too intolerant. I'm not going to be judged by those who wanted me to lighten up on divorce and remarriage, who wanted me to lighten up on baptism requirements, who wanted me to lighten up on, you know, the uh, Nazarenes or the Pentecostals. And, and maybe I should say this before we go on. Uh, we're not talking about the fact that some Nazarenes aren't truly saved. I'm not talking about the fact that some Pentecostals are truly saved. But what they're teaching as an institution is another gospel. And I'm not going to tolerate it. And so they said, we're not going to, we're not going to put up with this. We're going, to, we're going to do what the Lord says. Look over in Numbers chapter 25.
Numbers chapter 25. And see, if you're here this morning, you're kind of uh, squirming in your seat because of this uh, not being tolerant of other people's ideas and beliefs and just thinking, well, how can, uh, how can I don't know how many there is, how can uh, 250 million Muslims all die and go to hell? They got their own religion, many ways to heaven. Why do you think your way is the right way? Well, because uh, there's... There's tremendous evidence that this is a divine book. And this divine book teaches <laughs> that there's only one way to God. Enough of this Mickey Mouse and around and saying, well, there's the Bible way and then there's the other way. You see, if you believe the Bible, you can't believe anything else. <laughs> uh, all right, Numbers 25 and verse 1. Israel bowed in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. They called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And so here is Israel worshiping false gods of the Moabites. Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one of his men that were joined unto Belpeor. And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianite, a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And so this guy brings this woman and he's going to commit an act of whoredom right there in the eyes of Israel. You guys believe what you want to believe. Your beliefs are your beliefs, my beliefs are my beliefs, and I'm going to do what I want to do. All right. And when Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through the man, uh, through the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. Well, old Phinehas was uh, intolerant. Let me tell you what the problem is today. It's not that we're not tolerant. It's because we're too intolerant of sinful behavior. Well, if you go to the Lord writing to uh, the churches of Revelation, he wasn't tolerant. He rebukes at least two of them. He told one of them, if you don't straighten up, you're going to remove, I'm going to remove your candlestick. The Lord was intolerant. And I think the fact that God is long-suffering and we push upon the tolerance of God, that it gives us boldness sometimes. But when God killed Uzzah, who just reached out, To hold the ark, the truth of the matter is that they were going away from the direct directives of God on how to move the ark. And here's what, you know, we could probably gain a lot of different lessons from us, uh, but here's, here's what we're going to finally see is that God <laughs> is never going to vacillate from what he lays down as his directives. Whether we see it his way or not. And so, Jesus is very narrow. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name 
under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He was intolerant towards selfishness. And he said unto them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. He was intolerant towards sin. Awake unto righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. For the wages of sin is death. He wants us to be discerning. For Thessalonians, we just uh, are in this passage. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearances of evil. Well, if I'm going to prove all things, I'm going to have to make some judgments. If I'm going to abstain even from the appearance of evil, I'm going to have to make some judgments. Now, I'll, I'll, just, cl- I'll just close and uh, go um, to Acts 19. I'm mean, sorry, Psalms 19 and verse 7. Psalms 19 and verse 7. You bunch of mean old Baptists, I can't believe it. Okay, Psalm 19 talks about you can know God through his works, and you can know God through his word. Heaven declare the glory of God. And it makes a statement there in verse 7. The law of the Lord, which is the Bible, is perfect. Converting the soul. Conversion comes about from God's word, and particularly the Ten Commandments. The testament of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple, the salvation makes wise the simple man. The word simple means open-minded. It's going to change this open-minded guy. It's going to make him what is called wise. Salvation closes minds. Not that I couldn't be convinced that maybe a Ford is better than a Toyota pickup. That we're not talking about that, we're talking about this. When I got saved, my mind became closed to any other way of salvation. My mind became closed as to what was right and wrong. You see, just part of the process of being born again (laughs) makes you intolerant. I'm not going to tolerate this. I will not tolerate these ideas. I will not tolerate this unbelief. Why? I mean, this this error of truth. Why? Why should we be intolerant towards error? Why should we be tolerant towards towards false teaching? Because if I'm not, it's going to result in my grandchildren going to hell. The truth sets people free. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, Christianity and salvation is not just a choice about what religion I want to follow. It's about our eternal destiny. And so in this world where you want to be liked, um, you have to be intolerant. But let me tell you who one of my most favorite persons is. In Fossil, Oregon, there's this guy that moved in to town. 
He was overweight. Actually, he made his wife do most of the work. He'd go shoot the deer, and his wife pulled off the mountain. And uh, there was a lot about him that wasn't commendable. But here was my preacher, and he preached that I was a sinner on my way to hell, and I deserved the wrath of God upon my life. But there was a Savior who took my place. And how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel. This world is in tremendous need today. And these needs are not going to be met by we being tolerant of each other. Let me reword that. Of being tolerant of each other's ideas, convictions, and beliefs. I'm going to love my enemies. I'm going to pray for them. But if I'm going to deliver their soul from the wrath of God or be a part of that, they have to know the truth and only the truth can set them free. We cannot be involved in the culture of tolerism as our nations from the Capitol unto the statewide state house is. And you need to understand this. <laughs> Uh, the true Christians aren't popular. Jesus never intended us to be. But he did intend this. He wants us to be outstanding. That we stand out. And our service for him is outstanding. All right? That's a, that's a little bit to swallow today, huh? Go back to your workplace where uh, intolerance is not allowed and be intolerant.